The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 267. I'm Jimmy Kemsky with phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of bleedinggreennation.com. I have uh, I have to get to a pool. Mm. My daughter is waiting for me there. Uh, so we're going to kind of harry this episode along. Um, we'll, we'll just, we'll, what I mean by that is we'll go from point to point. We'll uh, get to a bunch of stuff, but, but we'll move it along uh, in this episode. Uh, but before we do, Brandon, where can we uh, get the best meat snacks in the land? Righteousfelon.com. Discount code BGN20 for 20% off. Jimmy, let's just get right into today's show. Where do you want to start? Well, I think we got to start with the trade that happened during the <laughs> off day on uh, on Monday. Yeah, today's Tuesday. Is that right? All these days are bleeding together at this point. But the Eagles trade tight end. JJ Arthago Whiteside to the Seattle Seahawks for uh, we'll call him defensive back. He's kind of a slot corner slash safety. Uh, Ugo Amadi, uh, who I think Sheil used to like back mm. in his time with, or uh, I don't know if he was still. I, I remember him talking about Ugo at one point. Um, whatever. He's a cornerback slash safety. Um, you know, has actually played in a decent. He's actually has decent experience. Uh, in the NFL, has played a bunch of games. Started, I don't, I don't have my notes up in front of him. It's like of him in front of me so. right now, but like 12, 14 games, yeah, like that. started. So he had fifty something tackles last year, an interception, a forced fumble. Uh, so he's at least a guy who has played. Because um, I think that Jaquiski Tart rather um, is not working out. He was a signing that the Eagles made in June. Um, he's been totally invisible in training camp and practices that he's been at. Uh, he With was not 13. at uh, a few practices um, uh, in between. But yeah, today, uh, the safeties, and I guess, well, I guess we may as well just say this right now since we're on safeties, but um, F- Marcus Epps was out. Anthony Harris was in. So Harris started. He played, but he got all the first team reps. And then that other safety spot, they sort of rotated guys in like Josiah Scott, Kayvon Wallace, and Reed Blankenship got first team reps today guys who did not get first team reps uh interestingly were Andre Sachere and Jaquaski Tart so 
Not looking good for Joukowsky Tart with uh, this trade for Ugo Amadi. It's worth noting that Ugo Amadi is in his fourth year, and because he had he he had enough qualifying snaps played his first three years in the NFL, he earned what is called a performance uh, no player performance escalator, Nerd. which means <laughs> which means that uh, he's going to count on the salary cap for. 25 for uh 2.5 million dollars uh roughly so it's expensive he's 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 an expensive player for the kind of role that he would serve with the eagles should he make the team uh possible they can get him to lower that number i wonder if the seahawks tried to do the same and ugo said piss off and they and then they traded him uh to the eagles instead uh but of course the bigger story from the eagles perspective is that jj ortega whiteside is no longer on the team uh, second round pick, of course, um, in twenty nine, yeah, twenty nineteen, yep. um, and of course, the irony here is that he now uh, is teammates <laughs> with the player that the Eagles should have drafted, DK Metcalf. Right. Maybe he can outshine him there. Maybe he's going to go there and be like, you know what, DK, <laughs> I'm the better draft pick after all, baby. That's right. Um, you know, it's a worthwhile trade. Is how I'll describe it for the Eagles. I'm not going to give them a gold star for this because you have to, I think, add the context of you know JJ being a bust which you know to his credit as we've talked about before i think he did a good job of rebranding himself last season sure. as total bust into salvageable like at least like contributing as a special teams player uh, enforcer i was just gonna say he <laughs> called him their enforcer shortly after last season that role clearly now belongs to zach Pascal, who's an upgraded version of jay Jaw, actually can do some things as a pass catcher um, so, you know, whatever, uh, good luck to JJ, nothing against him in terms of, you know, I think he worked hard. Like you said, he just, he wasn't mm-hmm. good and you know, can't, he tried. It wasn't, it wasn't for a lack of effort. It wasn't for a lack of focus. Uh, just, just ended up not being that good. So disappointing. Yeah, he'll be a player that's forgotten. I think pretty quickly as opposed to, you know, uh, a player that sort of leaves a distaste in Marcus the mouths of fans Smith. for for an extended period of time because he wasn't a jerk. He was, an, he was a nice guy. Sure. Like you said, he played hard. He tried to do anything he possibly could to help the team, special teams, move to tight end, whatever you want to call it. Um, and he just, like you said, he just wasn't, he just wasn't a good yeah. football player uh, by NFL standards. So um, yeah, the JJ era is over to be determined if the Eagles will continue to trade other uh, disappointing high picks. Uh, it, such as Andre Dillard. I think that's not super likely, but possible. And Jalen Rager, which I think is a legit possibility. Um, and of course, uh, we have joint practices coming up. Mm. In, uh, in, and yeah, I guess we'll get to that more about that a little bit later. But um, they begin on Thursday and Friday. I think per, solid performances by guys like Dillard and Rager um, are similar to performances that they're putting on tape uh, in preseason games, because all these teams kind of talk to, like they're scout, all these scouts talk to each other. Yeah. And, you know, a scout isn't going to trust what a Philadelphia scout says about Jalen Rager or right. Andre Dillard, but uh, they're going to trust what a Brown scout says about Andre Dillard or, or Jalen Rager. So uh, we'll see how they play in these joint practices. But uh, as far as practice goes, I did want to have, uh, I did have one more note, sorry, on Ugo okay. Amadi. Uh, yep. Kind of undermentioned, he did have 14 punt returns for 223 yards in his final season at Oregon, which is a 15.9 average, which is really good. I still think he had a touchdown in there, too. So, also, you know, you could throw him in the mix as a returner as well. I love the idea of a corner, a defensive back, cornerback, or safety who returns punts. That's exciting to me. I think there's some juice there. 
I don't know if he's actually any good at in the NFL. He hasn't done it, I think, since college. But, uh, you know, I should I just feel like it's worth mentioning that he might also take some reps there. All right. Uh, practice today. Did you hear that outside my window? No. Okay, good. I hear like something. A what giant, was that? like, dump truck or something. Like I did hear that. Trash trucks, like, rumbling very loud outside. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> There was a guy blowing leaves outside my house, too. I don't know if you heard that or not. Blowing leaves? Uh, anyway. Freaking August 16th. Uh, yeah, there's we were blowing something. There's kind of debris. Actually, there are a lot of leaves kind of down, too. Because the there was, I don't know, it was windy a couple days ago, and leaves probably, uh, whatever. This has been your BJ um, Radio weather report. <laughs> practice today. It was practice number 12 of uh, training camp. And it was the last, it was the final media attended. Uh, practice at the Novacare complex. Yes. So again, we'll have two more joint practices in Cleveland. We'll have two joint practices in Miami. Uh, but this was the last training camp practice in Philadelphia at the Novacare complex. No pads, just helmets today. Um, so they actually went like an hour and a half today. So it was, it was a decent enough uh, practice. Where do you want to start? I guess we can start with Jalen Hurts. Um, I thought through a certain point of practice, he was kind of more going to have a stock even day. Thought there was some issues earlier on where we well, actually started off practice with a really nice uh, loft of the ball to Zach Pascal in, in the front right corner of the end zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pascal was pretty wide open, but you know credit to him for getting open on that play. Uh, Slay was kind of trailing there a little bit, uh, like a soft spot, I guess, in the zone. And uh, but after that, I thought he wasn't so great because the offense failed to punch it into the end zone after that in this red zone eleven on eleven series where I thought he took multiple sacks in that drill. And there's one play where. I thought he was sacked, but he got the ball off to Pascal in the front right, mm-hmm. uh, back right corner, I should say, of the end zone. And the ref, and I was standing in, right in front of that play too, and he, Pascal was not in, and the ref also ruled him out. And again, I thought it was a sack anyway. Didn't, like you know, play was basically over. Uh, so not the best start, but I think he kind of rebounded. He had a good completion to Devontae Smith along the left sideline. Also, a play that <laughs> was probably a sack, not his fault on that time though. Whereas I thought he was holding onto the ball too long earlier. That play, Reddick had just like instantly got into the backfield to kind of blow him up, uh, and he. But he ended up rolling left, which is something that is not really a strength of his, or at least hasn't been to this point. And he fired a nice pass, or at least a, a pass that gave a chance for Devontae Smith to make a, a really nice leaping catch along the sideline, keeping both feet in. And then I think what was the play of the day? Objectively, I might take a different play for our standing sake here, but we do at the end. But I mean, I thought he had a really good ball, probably his best arguably his best throw of training camp when he hit AJ Brown down the right sideline. Uh, a lot of like, it was, it was out quick, decisive. There's a lot of yeah. zip on that throw. Placement was perfect to beat uh, Josh Job, who had been filling in for James Badbury, cornerback one, and then Kevon Wallace, who was also in. So not the best secondary there, but still it was a really high quality throw. I thought. Yeah. James Bradbury left uh, practice early today, by the way, went to the medical tent. I don't think he came back, so uh, well, updates will be... He didn't update, come back okay, in the drills, but I thought I saw him on the sideline. Okay. Well, updates will be forthcoming on him, I imagine. Uh, but I agree with your throw on the right, on, on the, on, down the right sideline. Yeah. So um, normally you put loft on that throw and try to lead him down the field, but I thought the throw, um, he, had, he muscled it in, yeah. you know, had some heat on it because it had to beat Kayvon Wallace to the spot, who yep. was coming over from his safety spot. And yeah, I agree. That was a great throw. And, um, you know, hard. It, I mean, it's another decision that the quarterback has to make, making that throw, seeing the field and knowing that the safety is, um, you know, eye, eyeballing that and knowing to muscle it in there in that, in that circumstance, as opposed to 
uh, lofting it down the field. Great throw. I've actually thought Kayvon was a little slow getting over there, <laughs> but uh, the throw beat him. Never the throw beat him. And I mean, it's not, not hurts his fault that Kayvon was slow getting over, but Mm -hmm. I agree. Great throw by him for sure. The other throw that I thought was, uh, was, was good was, um, uh, it was a sack again, like you mentioned, and they just kept the, the, the rep alive anyway. And he, and he rolled to his left and he threw to Devante Smith Mm -hmm. who went up high for the second time in two practices. He, he had nice hops for, for a pass near the sideline. Yeah. Um, he's good, man. He, he, he's a good player. He is. Devontae Smith is very good for sure. I mean, we've been talking about AJ Brown all camp mm-hmm. and part of that is because Devontae Smith missed, uh, missed some time, but Devontae is starting to hit his stride and, uh, yeah, he, he's had some really nice catches the last two days. And this one happened to be, he was coming back toward his quarterback who was scrambling around and looking for somebody. It was a, you know, an off schedule play at that point. I mean, play was dead because it was a sack, but again, mm-hmm. they kept the, the rep alive. Uh, and he did a really nice job going up for that pass. Ball had heat on it, and he, with good hands, snagged it out of the air, kept his feet in, stayed of bounds. He had another catch, uh, again, along the sideline where he caught it and was hit. By, I think, did you mention this already? By Josh Sweat. No, I mentioned uh, the first one you mentioned. Who was oddly uh, out, way out on, on the perimeter yeah, ignore uh, that on that play in coverage. <laughs> Josh Sweat was in was basically in coverage on Devontae's or he's in the area, and he pushed Devontae as he was making the catch and going out of bounds. Devontae kept both feet in. Uh, so, I mean, the Eagles receivers look good, man, mm-hmm. with uh, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Quez we know can do some things. And Zach Pascal's look yeah. good, too, as we mentioned as well. So those top four guys, I mean, it's it's the best top four group of receivers I think that they've had uh, in some time. I think that the, the best comparison um, would be, you know, Macklin, D-Jax, Jason Avant. I don't even remember who their fourth receiver would have been at that time, but I think this this group of four – is, um, I guess it would be. Yeah. Uh, but I think this group of four is, is really something is, is, is really a group that, uh, that, that can, that can do some damage this season. I agree. And then, you know, we've talked about Rager too, who mm-hmm. still not like, I don't like trust him when he's out there. I'm not going to be like, Oh, he can make a play, but he's been more encouraging than he previously good catch today too. Really good catch today in a tight window diving catch. Uh, as going to the ground still think again best situation there for everyone involved as he gets traded uh and i just don't think it makes the most sense in the world just to keep him as a fifth receiver and like just in case of emergency use him yeah because you know you're not getting like good value out of that in terms of your roster spots and special teams and everything but in any case um so one through five really even it's just you know it's, it's a it's a good group i mean you could mm-hmm. you could easily have worse fifth receivers than i think what rager kind of is showing you right now in camp um so Definitely. Uh, that's encouraging. Uh, what else? Before we move on, let's keep it with the receiver one okay. for one last thing. Britton Covey had a ton of catches sure. today uh, all over the field, primarily over the middle. There was maybe some uh, thought that his roster spot was in peril after he, I guess he, what, how did that go? Did he post on his own no. social media account, whether it was Instagram or whatever, that he tore Ed Kratz, ligaments? Apparent, his- I, I saw, uh, you know, Good friend Ed Kratz had posted, it had tweeted after the game on Friday night something about Covey saying to him that he had sprained oh, ligaments said it. Okay. in his thumb and would be out for a decent amount of time. Yeah, so it's just a it's just a thumb sprain basically. Uh, he was limited, I believe, on Sunday. It was a full go today. Mm-hmm. Again, caught passes all over the field, so he's back. <laughs> like he's he forget forget that injury. That injury is a non factor at this point. Um, he's going to be a full go during joint practices and assume and as 
presumably uh, for the second preseason game uh, against the Browns as well. Why don't we, uh, well, what else do you want to get into? What are some of the other observations? So, you know? I thought uh, Kenny Gainwell yeah. has had an underwhelming camp. I was also going to um, get to him. You and I debated a little bit on, so I thought he had two drops today. Mm-hmm. One was clear. It was an out route that hit him in the hands and dropped it. That was on the right the other, side of the field. Yeah. The other was a uh, back shoulder throw in the end zone. Ball had heat on it. He had to dive a little bit for it. Um, I think it's a play he should have made. You thought it was maybe, uh, you thought maybe I was being a little hard on him. Uh, definitively, you would agree that was a drop at least though, right? I don't know if he should have made it. I think he, you know, he had a chance, but I think it would have been a really hard catch to make. Okay. And then we argued over who had the better vantage point on that. On that, uh, I was standing right play. in front of him. I was literally like <laughs> like five feet in front of me, and you were at the back of the end zone. You were at least like 30 feet away. All right, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll concede. Um, but to a larger but point, po- though, Point being, yeah. yeah. <laughs> God. He just God, had, oh, yeah. had the kind of training camp you would want to see from uh, a player who people have been thinking might be able to make a leap from year one to year two, especially as a pass catcher. And I saw some of that. Uh, there's some like I, I tweeted out during today's practice that he just I don't think he's made the kind of leap that you would want to see. And some people had responded like, well, you know, how much can you get out of a running back in practice? And I think generally Plenty. there is some truth to that. But first of all, I mean, Miles Sanders looks pretty good in practice. It's pretty, you know, you can tell he looks yeah. good as a runner. So don't fully agree with that. And number two, pass catching running back. You would think yes. that player more than any other kind of running back would stand out in a practice setting. And he really hasn't. And now, in fairness, I thought Gainwell really came, kind of came alive last training camp in the joint practices specifically and later in camp. So maybe he's going to save that again. But to this point, and, you know, we're 12 practices in, I just haven't seen anything that really makes you go, oh, that's intriguing or special. I think mm-hmm. he's kind of been fine at best. And at worst, like, your third best running back option. So I think that when you think when you look back to like when Darren Sproles was here, he'd make plays all the time in the passing game during practices. And this is and I'm not even talking like Darren's new and exciting to the team, Darren Sproles. I mean, like at, toward the back end of his Eagles career, um, he'd be making plays like that uh, pretty consistently in practice, like when almost like when it was like, oh, he's back again. Mm-hmm. And then like he would he would have good practices. He would stack good practices and, and make catches all over the field. And Gamble just hasn't done that. Nope. And when opportunities have, have come his way, he hasn't made, uh, you know, all the plays that, that I think he should has, he should have made. And, uh, you know, I wonder when you get into the regular season and I've mentioned this before, but there's a balance that you have to try to figure out between do you want him on the field? to create mismatches against linebackers and safeties, or you're better off just putting your best players on the field and throwing to them, no matter who they're matched up against. Mm. And I lean heavily toward the latter. Just the play, your play, your best players are going to win games for players, you. Players, not plays. Yes, exactly. So um, I I've been, yeah, it's been, he's had a disappointing camp in my opinion. And my, like any, <laughs> any uh, thought that, Miles Sanders is anything other than the number one running back. And then everyone else is a distant number two is, uh, is just flat out wrong. I feel like I have more trust in Boston Scott than Gamewell right now. I agree. Not that I think Scott is a limited ceiling and he's a nice, you know, kind of backup running back rotational guy. Um, but I just, I think he gives me a higher floor than what Kenny Gainwell does. Um, 
not that Gainwell has been like a disaster or terrible, but I just kind of underwhelming is what I would say. So that's on him. Uh, anyone else that you want to get to? <laughs> that's, that's, that's on him. That's on him. Uh, yeah. So I think we should also um, mention Dallas Goddard. Okay. Who he's one of these guys now that we don't talk about in our practice notes or on the podcast because we know he's a good player. Mm-hmm. We know he's a complete tight end. We know he's got pretty much no holes in his actual game aside from maybe some durability concerns drops. Here and and so, we, so we know what he is and you know what he is. All the, all the listeners, all the readers, they know, they know exactly what Dallas Goddard is. He's been dominant and he like, so we, we've, we've talked a lot about how much Jalen hurts is throwing to uh, AJ Brown. Well, Dallas Goddard is getting a very healthy share of targets as well. And he's connected with, with we saw him, you know, have a touchdown of course uh, in the preseason game. Uh, where he kind of like jumped backwards in, <laughs> into the end zone uh, after like a scissor concept uh, that was a on weird the touchdown, wasn't it? Yeah, like, it's not a normal uh, touchdown throw. <laughs> he kind of like it was almost like he was like the goofy uncle, like <laughs> jumping into the pool <laughs> the way that he went in. Uh, but he's got a great camp, in my opinion. And uh, I and we mentioned the four receivers, of course, earlier in 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 Brown and Smith and Pascal and 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 Quez. Dallas Goddard is, you know, going to be probably the. Who do you think gets more targets? Because I, I think we, we, I think we, we both agree at this point that AJ Brown is going to get more targets than Devontae Smith. Safe to say, who's going to get more targets between Dallas Goddard and and Devontae Smith? It might be Goddard. I think I agree. Yeah, and that's not me, obviously not believing in Devontae Smith. I just think reading the room. No, you're like Devontae Smith number one. I fan. know, but just looking at the situation in terms of who like Hertz actually likes to throw to. I think he seems to like to throw to AJ and Goddard more. And now, you know, Devontae has been getting mixed in a good amount more recently. So that's nice to see mm-hmm. a better balance. But if we're talking about order, I think it's AJ Brown one, Goddard two, Devontae Smith three. Although I think two and three will be closer as opposed yeah. to, I think there's going to be a gap after AJ and then two and three will be close. You look at like number one uh, receiver, number two receiver, number one tight end, the combination of those like three specific players. There aren't many. There aren't that many teams in the NFL like a match with the Eagles have there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyway, bottom line, Dallas Goddard had a big day today, and he's had a lot of big days in this camp. We just haven't mentioned him. I thought uh, he was he was worth mentioning today. I agree. That connection hurts to Goddard was very active, especially in the red zone when they were doing some red zone stuff. And that first first eleven on eleven red zone sequence, I didn't think was very good for Hurts. But then there was a couple, at least one later, where he was actively hitting Goddard a lot, and that was better to see. Um, all right. Uh, anything else before we take a break? Uh, well, are we going to get to Hertz after the break? Well, yeah, we'll do his his stock report okay. after the break. All right. Well, let, let me tell you about Kristen Roach yeah. of Roach Realtors then. Uh, 856-906-9295. Uh, if you're looking to buy or sell your home, God rated Kristen Roach as the best realtor in the history of the universe. Again, 856-906-9295. Brandon. Back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. 
That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We're back here on VGN Radio, which is brought to you by Kristen Roach, Roachrealtors, Roachrealtors.com, in addition to Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, which you can get for yourself by going to RighteousFelon.com. Again, no commitment when you just go to the website. Website is free. You go there, you look at what they have. It doesn't cost you a thing. If you want to buy something, though, use discount code BGN20 for a special time right now, limited offer, BGN20, to get 20% off your order you want to do that now because eventually it's going to go back to BGN 15 where you only get 15% off. So why don't you capitalize on that right now? BGN 20 for 20% off your order at righteousfelon.com. Do it. Jimmy, it's time yes. to get in to our superlatives here, starting with Jalen Hurts stock report. Again, I thought at a certain point in practice, I think I had asked, you know, BGN alumnus, Mike K. I was like, what are you, what are you thinking about Jalen Hurts performance today? And definitely not a stock down. It was between stock up and stock even. And that Mm -hmm. was before the A.J. Brown throw, which was a really impressive throw. So I think that kind of solidified it as a stock up day for him. So I think, and I I asked you after practice as well, and you said stock up. So that's where we're going. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a stock up. Um, One thing I did want to touch on with uh, Jalen Hurts real quick was Elliot asked Nick Sirianni on Sunday Mm about what he thought of Hertz's decision-making uh, in the first preseason game as it, as it pertains to, you know, leaving the pocket, uh, leaving a clean pocket, whether, whether he was, you know, whether he did a good job staying in the pocket or leaving the pocket when, when uh, justified. And the answer that Nick Sirianni gave was essentially that, um, like, you're not just leaving the, you're not only leaving the pocket, when protection breaks down, like you might, if there, if there's nobody open initially or a receiver slips or something like that, you might leave the pocket, even if the pocket's still clean, because you know, you're going to have to buy time eventually and and find somebody down the field on an off schedule play. Um, So he kind of got into that uh, on Sunday and then Shane Steichen talked today. He got asked a similar question uh, about that. And, you know, it's kind of become a thing as it should, like, because there have been times where Jalen Hurts, is in the pocket and he's got a clean pocket and there are receivers that are open. So like what Nick Sirianni is talking about, isn't like, doesn't apply all the time because there are receivers open sometimes down the field that he's either not seeing, or he doesn't trust to to pull the trigger. Most notably, you know, in the, in the Buccaneers playoff game uh, last year. But I did just want to note quickly though. I do think Sirianni's point is valid. And I remember back to like, 2019 when we were kind of nitpicking the opposite rightfully so by the way of Carson Wentz where I don't know do you remember this one when 
there was a big thing about trying to get him out of the pocket more and mm. on the move. Um, Doug's not using them right. So it was kind of like the opposite <laughs> where, you know, we were, we were saying Carson Wentz has to get out of the pocket and, and make, and make more plays uh, from outside the pocket. Whereas, you know, we're saying now John Hurts needs to make the plays that are there from the pocket, as opposed to, uh, you know, leaving the pocket. So we're kind of like pocket bullies mm-hmm. <laughs> in a sense uh, in Philadelphia. It's kind of like a, a weird thing that, 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 that we do here. And it's been, we've done that mm-hmm. with other quarterbacks uh, in the past as well. Um, you know, not every quarterback is going to be Aaron Rodgers who can sit in the pocket and just pick you apart all day from the pocket and also can get outside the pocket and make crazy throws on the run and, and make plays with his legs. Like not everyone is going to be that. And certainly Jalen Hurts is not, you know, like Tom Brady from the pocket. And he's not anything close to that, obviously. Uh, but I think, you know, the trade off of him not, you know, seeing everything from the pocket or being willing to make every throw from the pocket and, you know, maybe leaving, leaving the pocket um, when his protection hasn't yet broken down. I think the trade off on what he gives you with his ability to make plays with his legs and, and on the move, I think you're like, for the most part, you know, that trade off is fine. Uh, certainly you want to see the improvement uh, from the pocket and him being able to make plays there. But as far as today goes, like I thought that, when he he left the pocket quite a bit today, but when he did, he made, made plays when he did, and that's sort of like uh, it's sort of like a, a not sort of like it it is one of the positive traits of his game in that he can extend plays and and uh, and you know make plays off the, like making off schedule plays is is the best part of of his game in my opinion. You want to be careful not to put into his head too much that you have to stay in the pocket. Um, because I think if he loses sort of uh, the thought of, you know, having the freedom to to make plays with his legs and, and get on the run and make throws on the run, then uh, you sort of compromise what, um, in, you know, his 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 you know, sort of like instincts uh, and, and how he makes plays on the football field as opposed to trying to make him something he's not. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Does that make sense to you? I've never criticized him for that. Though. Like that's not my criticism. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not targeting this at you by any means. Yeah, no, I get that. But I'm just saying, like to me, I yeah, I don't disagree. But that's it's not it's not about him having to win from the pocket always. It's about I think a little bit more often, and it's about it's about decision making and seeing the field. He, I think it's inarguable that he's held the ball on for too long in his career to this point. As a rookie, he had a three point three second start, three point three nine average time to throw in terms of seconds that was the slowest in the league next closest was Lamar Jackson at 3.17 so that's like a big Mm -hmm. gap too. that like that 0.22 gap so now last year (laughs) in 2021 um I'm pulling it up here 3.0 something right it it was it was still it was still longest in the league it was still longest in the league improved from 3.39 to 3.21 but still again like the the next the next closest after that is is uh Winston and Lamar are both at 3.09. It's just, I just think that's too long. I don't think you, you want to be that guy. I, I don't think you want to. I think some of that, yeah. spe- some of that speaks to his ability to create plays on the run. I agree. And I don't need him to be Tom Brady all of a sudden and like have the fastest release. Actually, it was like, mm-hmm. it was Brady last year in big Ben. They were like at 2.27 and 2.35. Right. They're two of the fastest. I don't need him to be that, but I think I need him to be somewhat like maybe under, like let's say Josh Josh Allen, let's take him for example. He's at like two point eight. 
which is 0.4 mm-hmm. seconds quicker, which I think is significant. I mean, that, that seems kind of crazy. <laughs> In reality, 0.4 seconds is not a lot. But I think you'd like to see... Well, on get... average over the course of a season, it certainly is. Yeah, right. But I'm tra- yeah. talking about this, like, you know, a moment in time, 0.4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but um, I think it's significant. I think it's the thing that's too long. And, like, I thought Jalen Hurts had a good day today. Yes, to be clear. And there were times, like, the A.J. Brown throw where... And I love to see it quick, decisive ball is out. Boom. I, and I like to see mm-hmm. that a lot, but I think I go back to that early sequence in the red zone, holding the ball, holding the ball, holding the ball, even the throw to Devante, which, you know, was a sack. And I, and I said, wasn't on him, but the point is there's a lot of plays in practice. So let me strike that. Not the Devante play my bad job by me, but there's been a lot of plays in practice where like <laughs> he's just been sacked and he gets the ball off anyway. And like fans in attendance and maybe the stats show like it was a good play, but it's like, it's a sack, man. He's holding on to the ball for forever. So uh, I've said it a billion times. I'll say it again. I think it's been feast or famine in terms of him either like getting the ball really quick and knowing what to do with it or like panicking, kind of like getting it and they're just not seeing it and kind of just holding, holding, holding. And I just think he holds onto the ball too long at certain times, which might manifest again in another season where he's like has one of the slowest times to throws in the NFL. And I don't think that extreme point is where you want to be ideally. I think there's been some improvement there. Um, it's just, it's not where you want it to be, obviously. Um, but I think, and it's a work in progress, no doubt. And he doesn't hang on to the ball for a long time. Uh, I will you know, say, for, for sure. Also, like, sorry to cut you in there, but no, no, I'm ahead. thinking, like, okay, if he's going to hold on to the ball, better be like a big play. You know, make a big play or like an important play that's worth it. Not like hold on to the ball forever so you can get like a five yard check down. Like, what is that? Like, what is that really? You know what I mean? It's one thing if you're holding on to it because there's risk in holding on to it. It could be a fumble, it could be a sack, whatever. Like, if you're going to take that risk, like, let's see it, make it worth it. Like, try to extend for a big play as opposed to you're extending it just because, like, you're kind of lost and there's no one there. And I'm also tired of hearing that no one's open because guess what? You have to have anticipatory throws at some point. You have to throw people open. And that's another thing why I don't kind of believe in him in a bigger picture. I don't think he's necessarily done that to the fullest extent where I believe in that ability where he's throwing receivers open and throwing to a spot and letting them make a play uh in time like that so anyway stock up well he has receivers that are going to get open this year so that's not going to be an excuse during the regular season this year because you know last year his receiver Devontae smith and he had dallas goddard and beyond that he's you know rager's out there for like 700 snaps and uh jj's out there like sometimes so like you know it's uh he this year we already i mean we already said in this very podcast already you know kind of went through the receivers and the tight end and how good they're, they're going to be this year. Those guys are going to get open. So that's not going to be an excuse this year. Uh, but you know, I, I certainly agree with the point that, uh, that you have to throw guys open sometimes and anticip- anticipation throws are going to certainly help with that. Um, but again, like <laughs> you just, you don't want to totally sap him of, um, you know, his playmaking instincts though, as well. Sure. I, you know, it's about finding the right balance as with most things. Um, so stock up day for him again, yeah, I mean, I was critical there, but I think in this day specifically, he was he was good. And for sure, let's see if he can stack those days. If he's, I'm going to feel a lot better about him and a lot better about the team if he's going out against Cleveland and if he's going out against Miami and he's looking like pretty good and he's you know he's beating up on those defenses. Who's your uh, MVP? Noah Tangiai, baby, he had a really good okay. catch in the, and it's kind of a you know cumulative thing for him. We've talked about him before. I think he deserves some love. I think he's making plays out there. And we've talked about this before about like, you know, could he make the roster? And you were like, they're probably not going to cut Calcaterra. 
I mean, like Calcaterra has missed a lot of practice time now. And also the age difference isn't that big. Noah Tangia is playing his age 25 season this year, turned 25 in July. Calcaterra is playing his age 24 season this year. It's not that like, you know, Calcaterra is the super young, high upside prospect guy. And you're kind of going with the, you know, the lower ceiling person in Tangiai. Like it's not that big of a difference. And I think, you know, for a third tight end spot like that, I think you kind of have to go with the guy who might be more available. Cause and the other thing too, like, I, I just still think going back to one of the negatives of drafting Calcaterra, like how do you, how do you kind of, way what happens if he gets a concussion again you know is he going to retire again is he going to walk away like i think that's a fair question to kind of wonder about if you're the team because it's happened before um so i would lean with tangiai right now tangiai's had uh, i mean calcaterra's barely even played so obviously tangiai's had a much better camp um and he's made play, he's made a lot of catches every day in practice uh he had four catches in the preseason game big day today as you mentioned um I can't see them keeping him over mm-hmm. Calcaterra. Like, I think Calcaterra is going to be on the team. This is Tangiai's third season. So he almost made the team his rookie year as an undrafted free agent in 2020. Mm-hmm. They cut him. Colts claimed him. Uh, Colts cut him. Eagles, nobody even claimed him. The Eagles just signed him to the signed him to their practice squad. He was a, what do they call them? The, uh, he signed a futures contract. Yeah with the Eagles this uh, off season in January or February or whatever it was. And um, those guys typically got guys with that kind of profile have a steep uphill climb mm-hmm. uh, to make the team. And typically if you do cut them at, at cut downs they're you're going to be able to get them back on the practice squad. So I think they could safely bring him back. Maybe. Whereas I think like a guy like Calcaterra is going to get claimed by somebody. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was a six round pick. Um, somebody I'm sure other teams liked him in the draft and they go, what? He had a hamstring injury and that's why they cut him. Really? I'll take him. <laughs> like it's, you know, not all these teams have, uh, as good a depth as the Eagles do. Like the, the, this year is a little bit different for the Eagles in terms of looking at the 53 in that in previous seasons, you could easily get to like 46 or 47 players and feel really good about them. And then you're just kind of like, all right, I guess I'll keep him, 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 and him, uh, to get to 53. Whereas this year, it's really easy to get to 53 and be maybe in like 54, 55. And it's hard making like the final two or three cuts. Like you're like, I, I think, you know, this guy has, should make the team or this guy should make the team. But you have to leave them off because there's just not enough room for them. Um, so that's kind of where we're at this year with uh with. And I think the tight end position is, is a good example of that because it's not always fair. Because Tangi, I should on merit mm-hmm. should make the team clearly uh, over Calcaterra, but Calcaterra is a draft pick, and he played decent enough, I mm-hmm. guess, the first couple practices before he got hurt. But he's going to get every opportunity to to you know show what he can do or whatever. Um, he better get back quick though; like yeah. it, it, he can't like just be out into the regular right. season with uh, and and expect to make the team. I wouldn't imagine he's got to get back at some point. Uh, or else somebody's going to make the team over him, I would imagine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, th- this is this is a, I think Tangiai's camp is a clear example, a potentially clear example if if he gets cut of how unfair uh, training camp can be for some of these guys. Maybe the Eagles wouldn't mind if Calcaterra Calc- 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 came back like a little too early and then you just die arm. 
Well, yes, what I mean, they tweak his hamstring (laughs) worse, and then to the point where they put him on the the long term, you know, like the full season IR, like pre pre fifty roster pre fifty three player roster cut down IR, um, where he's just out for the year. I think they wouldn't Mm -hmm. mind that. I think that would actually be the ideal situation: give him a year to kind of spend on a a stash, and then Tangyai is probably more ready right now to be that tight end three. Um, But yeah, I'll give my MVP point to him because I think he's had a good camp. And Oh, and I, I don't know if I even described the play, but the play was that Gardner Minshew kind of floated a ball into the end zone high where Tang Yai could make a play on it and the defense couldn't. And he basically just mossed Ande, Ande Sastre, just went up, got it, caught it like right over. And Sastre didn't even have bad coverage, just wasn't as big as him, wasn't able to defend it. And uh, an offense was pretty fired up about that play too. Like the, everyone was in the end zone celebrating after that one. That was a That was a pretty legit catch. And I think... I think like the, the the celebration there kind of spoke to at least at some level like players being happy for him. Like that's a guy who's had a good camp. Uh-huh. You deserve that play. We're all happy for you. Like you you deserve that touchdown. So sportsmanship. I'll actually piggyback off that play too. Okay. I, I thought he had separation okay. on Sasharay on that play. I thought the ball was actually not a great ball by mm. Gardner Minshew. It was a little behind. Well, I thought he gave it a chance to make a play. Like he put so it. So he put it up. He put it up yeah, high. He put it right. like the where he had it height wise. Was where it had to be. Agree, but he threw it behind him a little bit, so okay. Tangi had to come back for the ball, and it actually gave Sashari a chance to make a play on the ball. But as you said, Tangi mossed him mm-hmm. in the back of the end zone, and uh, and yeah, there was a there was a, a good celebration after. In fact, Jeff Stoutland was yelling <laughs> at offensive linemen uh, to get in the end zone and celebrate. Like, yeah. who who did he say? Coyote. <laughs> Get in the get your ass in the end zone, and then Jack Anderson, get your ass in the end zone. Then they had to like run in and celebrate with them. So uh, yeah, that so was funny. that was like a, a kind of an exciting play for uh, for you know the, the second team offense yeah. against the second team defense. They just like hey, uh, Doug always had him do that too. He would he would want the guys to celebrate. Like if you if you yeah. earn that celebration, go out and celebrate, man. Like <laughs> you know, right. like it's. I think there's a. There's an alpha mentality to that too, in terms of like make the defense feel like embarrass the defense. Now that you've scored on them, like rub it in, make them feel even worse for giving up that play. That's right. Um, all right. Uh, who's your MVP? I'm going Goddard. I already talked about okay. him, so we can just move right along. Who is uh, your LVP? MVP? I'll let you go first. Uh, I don't know yet. Uh, do, if you have one, let it rest. It's Kenny Gainwell. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, I'll go Kenny. Gainwell. We'll go. I'll go double Kenny Gainwell because yeah. I think it's because we he doesn't have any yet, right? Correct. It's not that he so had a disastrous practice, but I think it's just been it's more of a cumulative thing. Didn't have a good yeah. practice and also just hasn't had the kind of summer you would want to see from him. Yeah, and I don't have anything more to add because we already touched on him earlier. So uh, what's your play of the day? It's To me, I'm actually, I feel like you're going to go, are you going to go with the A.J. Brown one? I'm going the A.J. Brown okay. one. So yeah. I don't want to double up on that because I feel like it's not fair to give, and, and poor Doa Tangia kind of getting... Uh, shafted a little bit here in the play of the day that there was other two catches. <laughs> a bunch of good plays today. But I did give him the MVP. Yeah, and there were good plays, so it's tough. But I'm going to give the, the Devontae catch along the left sideline. I was right in front of that, too, and that was just, like, really – I just thought it was incredible how not only, again, does he leap up and get the ball pretty high, but like the ability to keep two feet in bounds, and it's so clearly – like, he's just so under control, and it's such skill. It's not just luck. Like, he's very – he's such a technically – like, a, he's a precision player. He is very skilled. And he's deserving of it. So I'm biased. He doesn't look as skinny to me this year as okay. he did last year. I mean, he's still very skinny. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not get that twisted. But I I feel like last year when we first saw him on the field, it was like, wow, that guy is really skinny. Mm-hmm. 
And I kind of don't feel that way about him this okay. year. I think he put on some muscle. All right. Does that seem right to you or no? I don't notice a huge difference. I, don't I mean, he looks really skinny to me last year. Maybe I'm just used to him at this point. Maybe that's all it is. I don't know. Hmm. We don't have any like vertical jump numbers on him because he didn't compete at the combine or pro day because he was hurt. Well, um, or was he hurt? I don't remember how that went. He just, I don't think he down. wanted to participate. Okay. But he's got hops like he, that. He can get up in the last two practices. He made two plays in which he went up and, and caught passes that were, you know, uh, not, not every receiver would get. Also, like, he's not like short. Like, he's six foot. Like, he's a decent, not like not tall, but he's also not like super short or anything. And he has 69 percentile wingspan. So, you know, he has decent length to him like, and mm-hmm. his arm length is 45 percentile. It's not huge, but he's not, he doesn't have short arms. That kind of helps out too. He's like a spider. <laughs> he's like a spider. Um, not a big spider fan, not a big bugs fan. I gotta say, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors hates spiders. Yeah, do you, ever, do, you, do you ever get those spiders that like jump? The jumping, you're talking about yeah. like the uh, what are those called? The cricket spider things, yeah, yeah, those are freaky. Sprickets, sprickets, those are the worst. My parents had uh, not realized so they had a bunch of them in their basement, like that would just pop up over time, but I think one time more recently. They like looked at the ceiling and there was just like a ton up there. And I was like, Oh my God, it was just like a nightmare. Uh, so yeah, they're pretty free. I mean, like I'd rather, those aren't as scary to me because it's like, I know it's a cricket and a cricket to me isn't as scary as a spider, but they are kind of like the sudden nature of them jumping all around. You know, what's freaky are the lantern flies, not be, not like on their own. Like they're fine when they're just laying around or whatever yeah. you see one. But I've had this happen. Like, I don't know, at least like a dozen times, I feel like, where I'll just be walking outside or even at training camp where I'll just be like, you know, looking ahead normally, not thinking twice. And I just like either feel something on my chest or I see something in the very bottom of my peripheral vision and something like crawling up my chest and I like freak out because it's those lantern flies. I feel like will just like start crawling up me. Maybe they think yeah. I'm a tree, you know, because like, they do that. <laughs> like that's what they do. Like they, they like ruin trees, however, how, because uh, they like climb up them and I don't know, like. I'm not a, I don't know. I don't know what they do to them, but I know like people wrap stuff around their trees. So they can't crawl up uh, past a certain point. Cause it's like uh, bad okay. for the tree. Um, anyway, uh, any final thoughts? James? Yeah. My final thought will be on along those lines. Remember when the B remember when the B was after you like years ago at training camp? <sighs> Maybe. Oh yeah. And... <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. On the steps. Yeah. <laughs> we were on the steps uh, at the Novacare complex. And uh, you were you were near the top row, I assume, as we always are. And a bee was buzzing around you. <laughs> it wouldn't, but it wasn't like you, were, you ran down the. I mean, it's it's how many steps would you say there are? Like fourteen, sixteen, something like that. I don't think it was a situation where I ran at first, like <laughs> buzz. It was like I was giving it some time, and it wouldn't go away. So I was like, at this point, I just have to leave because this thing is just like not going away. And it, but and it followed you all the way it down did. the steps, <laughs> and then like even when you got to the bottom, like you turned right, right. and you and you that, at that point you like ran away from it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was I was crying, <laughs> laughing up at, <laughs> up at the top of the steps. Thanks to me. It's funny when a bee is bothering other people, yeah. but it really sucks when it's all over you. It, it that is true. Oh. Uh, that's a nice final thought. My final thought is a question. And dear people of Ohio, Ohioans, if you will, 
And Cleveland specifically, although it's more like Berea, Ohio, is where the Browns practice facility is. Lend me your recommendations if you have any yeah, for food or mostly food. But if any anything else at all pops up, mostly food, but anything else you want to throw my way uh, and Jimmy's way I, as well, at Brandon Yelton on Twitter and Instagram, at Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter and Instagram. Wouldn't mind hearing some recommendations because we will be out there the next couple of days. I fly out on Wednesday. Jimmy, I guess you're driving out tomorrow or day of? I'm driving out tomorrow morning, yeah. Okay, driving out tomorrow morning. That, that Tomorrow being Wednesday, August 17th. That's when the Eagles themselves are flying out to Cleveland where they will practice against Deshaun Watson and the Browns. And by the way, I don't know if you saw this. Did you see Denzel Ward got activated? from the? Okay, so maybe he will be out there. I was right that he was hurt. I wasn't I wasn't 100% on that when I said that on the podcast. Well, I had a source who told me he was coming off the pup list, which is why I said (laughs) it's going to be some good matchups, clearly. Um, There you go. But uh, yeah, so the Eagles will be doing that the next couple of days on Thursday and Friday. It'll be a good barometer of where this team is at. Uh, And then they will have uh, a walkthrough on Saturday, closed to access before their preseason game, the weird preseason rare start time of 1 p.m. on a on a mm-hmm. Sunday. So that's what's coming yeah. up here. Uh, again, as Jimmy mentioned, no more training camp practices open to the media at the Novacare Complex. So, But for, for total left to go, and that's 25% of training camp, right? Because it'll be 16 days at the end of it. We're, we're 12 days in. We have uh, one more quarter of training camp to go. So that's what's coming up. Make sure you subscribe if you don't already somehow. Leave a rating, review, all of that good stuff. Uh, check out my practice notes at bleedingreenation.com, Jimmy Kemsky's at phillyvoice.com. Make sure you follow the podcast Twitter account at BGN underscore radio. Make sure you check out our sponsors, Right to Sound Craft Jerky, Right to Sound.com, discount code BGN20 for 20% off. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com, who you can call or text at this phone number. Eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. If you're looking to buy, sell, rent a house, or get some advice, you know, just check in for some real estate advice. Uh, all right, so that's today's show. We'll be back with you on Thursday for a post-practice recap podcast, recording about the Eagles Browns joint training camp practice. Very exciting stuff. So, Jimmy, I will talk to you then. Goodbye, everybody. B-G-N!